namo dasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa namo dasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa namo dasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa my dear friends today I'd like to give a talk on compassion and equanimity. Compassion and equanimity belongs to a group of mental states which you call the four Brahma Viharas. Others are loving kindness, metta, mudita, appreciate joy. But today I'll talk about karuna, compassion. Upeka, equanimity. These mind states belong to what Buddhist psychology and philosophy call apamanya. In Buddhist psychology, Abhidhamma, it refers to these mental states as apamanya. Apamanya means boundless, limitless. It really means that the number of beings that you send these mind states, they are limitless. There's no limit. You can't count them. It's countless. It's like sun. The sun, when it shines, it has no limit. It just shines to all beings without exception. Beginning with compassion, the Pali words Karuna, actually the Pali word Karuna, I think goes beyond the English word compassion. It's very deep, as we're going to see. Again, in Buddhist literature, the mental state compassion is defined as a quality of the heart and mind that quivers when he is faced with the suffering of others. I would add when it's also faced, uh, facing the suffering of oneself. Mm -hmm. I would add so. Now, this mental state, which is called compassion, we need to ask ourselves, where did the Buddha teach it? in a larger framework of the Buddha's teaching and the main teaching of the Buddha. It's right there at the heart of Buddha's teaching. And in fact, that's what motivated the Buddha to teach. And the Buddha has what we call Mahakaruna, the great compassion. It is said that the amount of compassion the Buddha has it's beyond all the compassion all mother all, all mothers uh, can even say parents they have for their children so it's outstanding compassion great compassion that's what we call mahakaruna great compassion from our meditation practice it's very very important to practice compassion and equanimity 
And in our daily life, we need to practice compassion and equanimity. When we look around the world, which is suffering due to pandemic, COVID-19, racial injustice and all kinds of injustice, violence, domestic violence, racism, you name it, the world is suffering a lot. So we need to practice compassion. And the Buddha taught it in the Noble Eightfold Path. The second part of the Noble Eightfold Path is called Right Thoughts. Thoughts of non-greed, which is generosity. Thoughts of non-hatred, which is loving kindness. And thoughts of non-cruelty. That's what we call compassion. Ahimus, ahimusankapa. Hmm? Thoughts of non-cruelty is what we call compassion. So it's right there in the teaching on the noble eightfold path. So now, compassion, the English word, translation for the word karuna, I told you that it is so deep. It goes beyond an ordinary way of understanding the word compassion. Because from a Buddhist point of view, the word karuna means, of course, it means a heart that quivers when it's first with the suffering of others. But in a Buddhist context, it has to be practiced with the other teachings in the Noble Eightfold Path. In other words, we must have right understanding of the fourth, the four noble truth, suffering, cause of suffering, cessation of suffering, and the path that leads to the end of suffering. So we should have such understanding. So when we practice karuna, we must have ethical conduct. That means right action, right speech. We must have wisdom. Compassion has to be practiced with wisdom. And compassion has to be practiced with mindfulness. In fact, without mindfulness, compassion becomes very, very weak. When we don't have mindfulness and we, we, we try to practice compassion, so we either go into what in Buddhism we call near enemy self-pity or far enemy which is called again cruelty actually so either way we are not practicing compassion if we uh, lack mindfulness so mindfulness is very important so then i would give the definition of karuna that karuna is the basis and support of the practice of ethical conduct. Karuna is a basis and support for the practice of concentration. And if we see for ourselves when we practice compassion, then the mind 
will be free from hatred, aversion. Then when the mind is free from aversion and hatred, which is a gross defilement, then the mind will gain concentration. So karuna is a basis and support for the practice of concentration. As we say, may I be free from suffering and its causes, we cultivate it and then you gain concentration. And also karuna is a basis and support for the practice of wisdom. Because we need to understand, we need to balance it with wisdom and karuna provide the basis and support. So you can see this definition that I'm offering you is not the same as the ordinary practice of compassion. People say, oh, these people are suffering in Africa. Let us send these clothes. Well, that can be compassion, but it's not the basis and support for wisdom because you might be giving just old clothes that you don't want. <laughs> You're just sending old clothes to Africa, to Uganda, and just abandoning them. Oh, I, yes, people are suffering in Africa. Let me just give this old clothes. But, of course, that's some act of compassion, but not as deep as when we come to Buddhism, where we can see, where we can connect this practice with other form of teachings that the Buddha formed. In many ways, these practices are really connected and this connection makes them very profound and that's why I, say, I said in the very beginning that the word compassion doesn't do justice to the Pali word Karuna because from Buddhist point of view we see that it's connected to other teachings. But if we isolate this word compassion and not, do not connect it with the other teachings that the Buddha taught, then it's just ordinary compassion. It's just another ordinary compassion. So now, when we practice meditation, we need to proceed systematically. We need to recognize that all beings like oneself have a desire for getting rid of suffering, including an insect. If an insect is, is crossing like this and you put a small stick like this, it will just go the other way around. It doesn't want to suffer. So we need to recognize that all beings want to be free from suffering and its causes. That's a common, common denominator. And also, we need to accept that suffering is universal. It's not personal. Some people take suffering to be personal. Of course, in the very beginning when there is pain, <laughs> it's very easy to identify with it and take it personal. But when you look at it, you see that all of us, we have suffering and pain in one form or fashion. There is a story that comes down in the Buddha's teaching of what we call Kisa Gotami story. It's very, very common. Kisa Gotami was a lady who lived during the time of the Buddha and then 
she lost her son, died, and then carried the baby to the Buddha while crying, saying, oh, my baby is, is, is dead. Can you bring life back to my baby, my son? Oh, the Buddha knew that this lady is missing something, a big lesson. Need to learn a big lesson. The Buddha said, okay, yes, I'm going to do so based on a condition. One condition that you bring mustard seeds from a family that has never experienced death. If you do so, I'm going to do what you're asking me. So the lady went from village to village, everywhere she went. Can, you, can I have mustard seeds? Uh, if you have not lost any relative, a person in your family. Oh, these people will say, well, I've lost my uncle, my aunt, my son, my daughter. And then this lady was so exhausted going from one home to another home. Found out that suffering is universal. Death is universal. And now came to the Buddha and said, well, I cannot bring you any mustard seed because everywhere, all the people I've contacted, I've asked about this mustard seed. They say that we cannot give you a mustard seed because we had death in our families. So this is very important message known to live in self-denial, right? People always live in what we call self-denial. In many ways, it's a defense mechanism. They deny. They deny that suffering exists. So we need to accept that suffering exists. <laughs> One time I was teaching in West Virginia on the, uh, on the teaching on the vulnerable truth, suffering and, and so on. And then one person was listening about my talk on the vulnerable truth, suffering, cause of suffering, cessation of suffering, and the path that leads to the cessation of suffering. This person the next day told me, actually we were taking a walk, and he stopped and told me, and she told me that life is not so much about suffering. There's more happiness in life. And she didn't like my teaching on suffering. She was saying, there is no suffering, there's a lot of happiness in the world. I said, what? Then I told her, please, stop. Can you stop and breathe in, but don't breathe out? Don't breathe out, just breathe in. And then I saw her starting to pass by her and say, okay, now you can breathe out. Then I asked her, how you feel? Oh, she told me I feel tension, I feel all this kind of uh, discomfort. He said, that's suffering right there. <laughs> There's no need to deny it, you know. So, yes, you need to accept that life, uh, the five aggregates of clinging uh, are, are really suffering, actually. What we are is suffering, you know. So, that acceptance is very important as you, as you practice compassion. It's very, very important. Then another uh, step that you need to go through is called inclining your mind. You need to incline your mind towards compassion, towards karuna. The Buddha said that when you, 
wherever you incline your mind you become that whatever you incline your mind on you become that so if you incline your mind towards compassion you become a compassionate person but we need to cultivate that from time to time and then another step that you need to do is really to develop it just knowing about compassion and you don't develop it from moment to moment with mindfulness through our meditation practice you cannot be compassionate you are going to just read about it but you are not going to practice it so i've come up with an acronym hmm? i've come up with the acronym of practicing compassion it's called RAID R stands for recognizing that all beings like oneself would like to come over, sorry, would like to overcome suffering or want to overcome suffering and its causes and A stands for acceptance that suffering is universal not to deny it I stands for inclining your mind towards compassion and D stands for developing compassion in thoughts words and action so on three levels thinking about compassion is not enough the way we speak should also have elements of compassion the way we act our action should be uh, based on compassion in terms of uh, thoughts we need to practice it in a very systematic manner very systematic manner you choose what phrase that speaks to you uh, in a compassionate phrase let's say pain suffering may i be free from suffering may i be free from pain may i be free from discomfort or stress so you choose a phrase that speaks to you that resonates with you and then you sit down or you can when you're meditating you can sit down or you can be walking whatever posture doesn't matter and then you can start to radiate these thoughts of compassion i'm just giving suggestion from buddhist literature you can reflect along these lines may i be free from suffering and its causes May I be free from physical suffering and mental suffering. May I be free from greed, hatred, delusion and fear. Then you can send these thoughts of loving kindness to oneself, to friends, teachers, parents, to a neutral person, to, uh, to a difficult person, and to all beings. So this is very, very important to practice in a very systematic way so that you move from one category to the other as you expand your awareness to include all beings. Because when you practice uh, this, what you call for Brahma Viharas, it has to include all beings. We cannot leave out all, all beings and we just send compassion to oneself or just send compassion to only our friends. That will not be this practice of the four Brahma Viharas. 
So compassion is very profound practice and that's what we call Karuna Bhavana or compassion meditation. When you cultivate with mindfulness, you radiate these phrases, may I be free from suffering and its causes. So you, you, you begin slowly like this and you keep on expanding, expanding to different kind of beings, even to the difficult person. The people who are difficult to you in your life, they are difficult, it's because they are suffering. So if you wish them to be free from suffering and its causes, maybe their life will be easy, we'll, maybe suffering is going to reduce in their life, maybe they are not going to be as harsh towards you as they are now. So you know that every time you have a difficult person with other people, maybe other people are going through suffering and that will help you to have compassion towards them. There are many, many benefits of practicing compassion. The benefits that we accrue from the practice of loving kindness are the same according to Visuddhimagga, the path to purification. You sleep well, you wake up very well, you don't have nightmares, you're always loved by be uh, beings and non-beings and devas, you actually uh, gain concentration easily. So you know all these benefits. 11 benefits of practicing loving kindness uh, are the same as when you practice uh, compassion. There's another practice which is called equanimity. Mm -hmm. Equanimity, upeka. That's the second uh, part of my talk is about equanimity. But in Buddhist literature, in the Buddhist literature, that's the fourth Brahma Vihara. Mm -hmm. Equanimity. Equanimity, the Pali word is called upeka. Literally, it means seeing things in a balanced way. So it's a quality of the heart that when is faced with ups and downs and difficulties, it is more centered, more balanced, more grounded. It actually meets with difficulties in a very balanced way. That quality of the mind meets with difficulties in life in a very balanced way. You become more grounded and more centered. And from my experience, there's no better moment to practice equanimity than right now, what the world is going through. The world, the world is in a total, utter chaos with all problems. Environment crisis, uh, racial injustice, um, COVID-19. So we need to develop this mind that's more balanced. The Buddha in one discourse taught like this. It's in Mangala Sutta. I will just chant it. Putta saloka dhammi hijitaya sanakampati asoka virajakema etamangara uttaman. The Buddha said that a mind which is unshaked by the eight world winds, putta saloka dhammi hijitaya sanakampati asoka. Asoka is 
doesn't have grief. Hmm? Asoka Viragya hmm? is not uh, glowing, in other words. Hmm? Rag is glowing, Viragya is not glowing, is not attached to what's going on. Hmm? It, in other words, it's free, it's free, hmm? it's not holding on, it's free, stainless. Let's say the mind is stainless. Asoka Viraja Kema. Kema means secure. The mind is secure, which is not being shaked by the worldly winds. These worldly winds, we know them. There's blame and praise, there is pleasure and pain, there's uh, gain and loss, honor and dishonor. So these kind of uh, eight worldly winds, they keep us blowing all the time. But we should be like mountain. I like the analogy of the mountain. Just there, winds coming and blowing. But we are no longer going here and there. Easy to say, but in practice, actually, uh, it requires practice. It requires practice. Just like any other Brahma Viharas, it's actually uh, also a mind state that uh, can be radiated towards all living beings without any limit. So the amount of people we send equanimity also are limitless, boundless. Now, when we practice equanimity, it's very, very important to know there are many kinds of equanimity. There's what we call Brahma Vihara equanimity that we are talking about actually in this context. There's equanimity um, based on jhanas, neither pain nor unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Neither pain nor unpleasant. There is feelings, neither um, pleasant nor unpleasant feelings. There is different, different kinds of equanimity. So it's very, very important to know which kind of equanimity you're talking about. There's what calls video equanimity, which means uh, equanimity towards energy. That means not too much energy and not too little. So in balanced energy. So we have to know which kind of equanimity are we talking about. So in this talk, I'm talking about equanimity uh, based on what we call the for Brahma Viharas, in other words, equanimity towards being, hmm? not being swayed by uh, beings who are suffering and happiness. So we are having a balanced mind when we see people are suffering, when we see people happy, we are no longer swayed, you know, like this. So now, how do we practice it in our meditation? Again, I would borrow the same acronym rate. I can extend it to the practice of equanimity, recognizing that all beings like oneself have a desire to have a balanced mind. Yes, all beings want to have a balanced mind, centered and grounded mind. And then A, acceptance, the fact that the teaching, the teaching of cause and effect we should accept, we should acknowledge this teaching, the teaching on love karma. It's not a reward, it's not a punishment, but it's a way how things are, you know. <laughs> this law 
or teaching on karma is very very important in the practice of equanimity and I'm going to offer some phrases that speaks to this teaching on karma and that's a, a foundation to accept this teaching and practice this teaching in order to really uh, progress or cultivate uh, what we call equanimity you must understand the teaching on karma that whatever you do your intention action hmm? your intention action that means your actions intention actions whether they're based on greed hatred and delusion and their opposites which non-greed non-hatred and delusion we have a potential to bring results hmm? whether wholesome or unwholesome so we need to accept that fact hmm? and then we need to incline our mind towards a balanced mind and then d stands for developing equanimity through our thoughts speech and actions so all these teaching they don't stay only on the level of thoughts we need to translate them in our speech and action so now that's weight that's an acronym also that i give when i talk about equanimity just like the way i gave you this acronym uh, on compassion so now i'm going to offer you some phrases that you can use in your practice of equanimity i've written a book called um, sowing seeds of peace and i'm going to offer you these phrases if you are interested to do this practice so you can settle back in the present moment and reflect along these lines so you can close your eyes and listen to these phrases and you can allow yourself some space to reflect on them i'm going to offer them to you right now all beings are owners of their intention action come heirs to their intention actions their happiness and unhappiness depends upon their intention action and not upon my wishes so see if you can reflect on them as i told you the law of karma is very important in the practice of equanimity so you need to reflect on this love karma if you are to progress in the practice of equanimity all beings are owners of their car their karma heirs to their karma their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their intentional action not upon my wishes all beings have their own journey according to their own intention actions joy and sorrow arise and pass away this is part of the journey 
of life. Again, this is more of acceptance of the true nature of life. Whether I understand it or not, things are unfolding according to the law of nature. And one of such law of nature is karma. See if we can reflect along those lines. All beings meet their joys and sorrow according to the law of nature. Things are as they are right now. This is how it is right now. Again, that points to acceptance of how things are right now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but right now. This is how things are. May I accept open to how things are right now? May I accept and open this just as it is? I care for you, but I can't control your happiness and unhappiness. May my heart and mind be at ease with the outer and the inner changing, changing conditions of life. May my heart, mind, incline towards equanimity. We talked about inclining your mind towards equanimity. Gain and loss arise and pass away. I determine to remain unshakable. Pleasure and pain arise and pass away and determine to remain unshakable. Praise and blame rise and pass away and determine to remain unshakable. Fame and disrepute rise and pass away and determine to remain unshakable. Birth and death arise and pass away and determine to remain unshakable. I'm the owner of my intention actions. Your happiness and sorrow depend upon your action, not upon my wishes.
I'm the owner of my karma, hear my karma, born of my karma, depend on my karma, live related on my karma, whatever good or bad I do, I'll be the hear my karma. So this is how we practice equanimity, these phrases. You can use them, whatever phrase that resonates with you, you can choose one of them and just keep it simple. But also the voice you are using. Don't just repeat this phrase, I'm the owner of my karma. You are the owner of your karma. So the, the tone that you use is very important. And also when you are sending or you radiate uh, these uh, phrases of equanimity. Also, you have to be gentle and full of compassion. Hmm? Your joy and sorrow depends upon you, not me. So it's not denial, but it's really accepting the fact. Your suffering and pain Oh, I acknowledge that you are suffering and you are having pain. I can care for you, but I cannot stop you from suffering and pain. So it's that gentleness and care that we bring to this practice. And also it's very, very important to remember that when you practice equanimity, it's not a practice of indifference. In fact, indifference is the near enemy of equanimity. Equanimity means that you are caring. You do care. But indifference means that you don't care actually. You don't care. You, you are just turning a cold shoulder towards others, towards all beings. But with equanimity, you are connected, you are caring, but you are non-attached to the conditions in the world. Mm -hmm. They are non-attached to the condition in the world. Non-attachment non doesn't mean you don't care. You do care, but you are not holding to these things. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between equanimity and indifference. When you practice equanimity, you need to know that equanimity, again, is a cause and condition for the practice of ethical conduct. That's how these teachings are different from other teachings. It's really connected to other teaching. So, equanimity is a basis and support for the practice of concentration because when the mind is no longer swayed in hatred and attachment, so the mind is going to be concentrated. That's why the Buddha say, Puttasa Lokada Mehi Chitaya Sana Kampati Asoka Viraja Kema Itamangara Uttama. In mind not swayed by the worldly winds. Is secure. It's 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 stainless. It's sorrowless. So equanimity is the basis and support for the practice of concentration and equanimity is a basis and a support for the practice of wisdom because when you have equanimity you'll be wiser the mind will be more settled you'll be more calm 
grounded and settled, you can see things clearly when the mind's balanced. You can see things as they really are. So the way we use the word equanimity in their language is not the same as we use uh, in Buddhism. In Buddhism, it is very, very profound. And what makes this word equanimity in Buddhist teaching and in meditation traditions is that the practice of equanimity is connected to other teachings, as I've told you, is the basis and support for it. Ethical conduct is the basis and support for the practice of concentration. It's the basis and support for the practice of wisdom. May you be well, happy and peaceful. Let us sit for a moment or two and reflect on what I've said. May you be able to practice equanimity and compassion in order to attain peace, happiness, and final liberation. May you be well, happy, and peaceful. Putta salokadame ikitaya sana kampati asoka virajakema etamangara uttamana. A mind which is not affected by the eight worldly winds. It is soulless, stainless, and secure, and this is a great blessing, said the Buddha. I offer this for your reflection. <laughs>